You can hear new episodes of No Limits on TuneIn four days before anywhere else. When Uber comes to you and says, we're interested, this was a moment in time with Uber in the news, the headlines were not positive. Yeah. How many conversations did it take (laughs) for you to be like, okay, Bose, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go work for Uber now. Exactly. Right. Because literally no one told me that was a good idea. From ABC, it's No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis, and each week we're talking to the most bold and influential women playing at the top of their game trying to demystify success and what it really takes to get there and all the trade-offs. Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. On today's episode, she's a risk taker and a culture shaper. Bozema St. John is Uber's new chief brand officer, a job she took at a moment of crisis for the company. So what made this former Apple exec with a resume filled with marquee brands and titles defy the advice of all her family, friends, and mentors? And what's the Uber game plan? You're about to find out. Bozema St. John, welcome to No Limits. Thank you. But I'm going to call you Bose because everyone calls you Bose. Yes, all my friends call me Bose. All right, and you're our friend here at No Limits. Thank you for coming. So I want to talk about your whole career because it's filled with leadership roles at marquee brands like Apple and Beats and Pepsi, and you worked with Spike Lee early on. Mm -hmm. But let's start with Uber because you recently took on this new role. You joined Uber as their chief brand officer. So what do you do as a chief brand officer, (laughs) Bose? I create magic. Woohoo! <laughs> I put on a magic show. I mean, it's, it's true. It's um, it's a it's a combination of things. You know, it's the practical things like creating commercials and overseeing our social media and doing like experiential and partnerships and you know those types of things that create the momentum and the excitement around a brand. Uh, but the magic is in trying to actually do all of those things without looking like you're trying. Right. You know? It can't uh, have that, like, when, when you see an Instagram post. Right. And it's like, oh, why did you try so hard on that Instagram Correct. post? And it yes. just makes you cringe instead of having yes. the feeling that you're supposed to have. That's right. That's right. It's like, you know, it's like being, like, seeing somebody at a party and they're trying really hard to be cool. Yes. You know what I mean? You, we all know that person. Sure. That's what I'm trying not to do. <laughs> So how do you not do that? Like, what do you what do you need to do at the party and at Uber to do yes, that right? Yes, yes. Some of it is um, instinctual. You yeah. know, I think sometimes you just got it or you don't. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like you can't really tell someone here's the formula for correct. how to do this, and you can't buy it. You know, that's actually the biggest challenge that I have right now is that if I could buy it. Yes. You would just throw a bunch of money at it and, and just say, you know what? Yep, let's just buy this and buy that. And then, oh, we're cool again. Yeah. You know? But that's not it. And and to that point, when you say you can't buy it, are you saying that you can't sort of buy it from the consumer or you can't necessarily – or maybe both things are true. You can't go out from uh, developing your team standpoint and, right. and talent standpoint and just yeah. say, okay, like – I'm going to teach you how to do this. No, you can't. You can't do it on any level, you know. So internally, you know, for talent or building the team, you can't buy that either, right? Because it is a two-way street. It's like I had to choose Uber and Uber had to choose me. You know, it's like one of those things. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Avatar. You remember that movie? You know <laughs> yes. what I mean? It's like, why did I make that connection? But you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, you've got to, everyone's got to choose, you know, you've got to choose each other. And I, be, I believe that's true for, you know, talent, people who work at the company, um, that you have to choose to be in this type of environment, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and you can't, it's not, you can't come for money. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really got to be something else. It's got to be some other desire yes. that you have. Um, you can't buy it from a brand standpoint with like, you know, likes or even really like commercials and that's, you know, because it will feel fake. There's not a shortcut. To there this. is not a shortcut. You've got to do the work, you know, and, yep. and some of it is some of it is instinct, you know, and gut reactions and having great taste. Mm-hmm. I think I have great taste. <laughs> well, looking at you right now, you definitely have great taste. I wish you guys could see the dress. We'll post a picture. I mean, yeah. We'll post a picture okay. o- online. <laughs> uh, when when Uber came to you, so you're at Apple at the time, mm-hmm. and I first saw you at the developers conference right. on stage, Rapper's Delight, right? Yes. Um, well, that's what, that's how I got to know you. I'm sure a lot of other people knew you in the industry for a mm. long time. So when Uber comes to you and says, yeah. we're interested Obviously, when they came to you, this was a moment in time yeah. with Uber in the news. The headlines were not positive. Yeah. How yeah. many conversations did it take for you to be like, okay, Bose, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go right. work for Uber now. Exactly. Right. Because literally no one told me that was a good idea. Like Everyone told you it was a bad idea. Everyone. Your friends, your family. Friends, family, people who care for me, mentors, everybody. And what was what was the number one reason that they thought you shouldn't go to Uber? Um, they thought that I had a really great... Uh, brand, like personal brand, corporate brand. Things were going well for me at Apple. There was no need for me right. to leave. You know, you're like the biggest company in the world. Right. And after the developers yeah. conference, you were getting Doing more great. attention. And, and yeah, G- have a good job. You know, it's like my like my dad would say, you have a great job. Or he says it with his Ghanaian accent. Hey, you're making good money. <laughs> you're doing a good job. Why would you leave this and to go to these people? You know, like so it was, was like that. Answer? Well, I mean, it was a complicated answer. And, and it's it's kind of thing that like I, I describe it like when you fall in love and you can't explain it to somebody else why you love that person. Mm-hmm. That happened to me. And mm-hmm. I swear that is the God honest truth, you know. And by the way, it wasn't like. I, I don't feel like people came for me or I came for them. Mm-hmm. It was a conversation. You know, mm-hmm. Ariana Huffington, I met her. She's on the board. Um, we were talking about just, you know, career and work and things in general. Um, and I was telling her about some of the stuff I was doing at Apple. And then uh, we started talking about, oh, we, we started talking about South by Southwest. And I had this incredible experience with this Uber driver there. I <laughs> know this like, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> no, but actually, so for anyone who hasn't been to South by yeah. Getting around South by is a very difficult Girl. thing. So your yes. Uber driver, if you've got a great Man. Uber driver helping you get around, that's it a big is thing. critical. Okay, it is critical <laughs> to your success. Okay, at South by, like yeah. it is, it's actually part of the thing. Because you miss a lot of meetings there Man. and a lot of opportunities Listen, there because will, of getting around is so difficult. You will miss everything. Like you'll be always on the way someplace if you don't have a plan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I had this, I had this incredible experience. I'm telling her about it and da da da, and she's like, oh, you should, you know, you should tell Travis. Kalanick, you know, about it. He's a CEO. And I was like, really? Like, what? you know, well, okay. <laughs> Dear you know? Travis, I just loved riding around <laughs> in your Ubers. It's at, like a, at South by a testimonial or something, yeah. you know, because it was around the time, you know, things had already started to sort of go south in terms of the press and like mm-hmm. things were happening. Um, and I had a positive story, you know, and yes. I think I think part of it was that she wanted him to hear it. Mm. Um, but then what happened is that, and it, it so happened that we were both in LA at the same time, and so she was like, "Oh, just you know, go talk to him." And it was supposed to be an hour, ended up being eight hours. 
worth of wow. a conversation. And it was just, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, we just started talking about, I told him the story. Um, he shared with me some of the things that were happening, you know, sort of like beneath the service, not just what was happening in the press. Um, he asked my opinion, you know, mm-hmm. what, what would I do? What do I think? You know, um, we had good, like, banter back and forth about, you know, just like some of my, like, my perspective on how, on how you would go about doing some of these things. He pushed back on some of it. You know, mm. it just, it became a very, uh, it felt like a work session. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then I, I left the meeting, you know, very much like, hey, hugs. Like, oh, it's good to meet you. There's a great dialogue. I go home and it was like one of those moments where you're like, oh, I think I think I like him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think, I think I like this job. I think I, think I want to do the job, you know? Yes. And it, 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 it was really like that. And, you know, it's like you try to talk yourself out of it. I was like, but I got a good thing going at Apple, you know? But no, this is this is the calling. This is where I'm supposed to be. So. I could dig an entire podcast conversation into the eight-hour conversation you had with Travis. Yes. But I feel like I want to make sure that we get to other parts of your career. And, mm. and we'll come back around to Uber in a minute here, too. But I think your story, um, I mean, I find it intriguing for multiple reasons. Mm. You were a child growing up in Ghana during a coup. Yes. You had to leave with your family. Mm-hmm. How much, I mean, you were pretty young at the time. Yeah, yeah it's fine. How strong is your memory of that moment in time and how much has that shaped how you think of things going forward? Yeah, it's interesting. I think there are very... Um I think what happens with memory is that when there when there are extremes, you remember those things, you know, mm-hmm. feelings or smells or yes. sounds, you know, things like that. So that's what I remember from that time because I was five when the coup happened in Ghana. Um, one of the things that was probably most traumatic, not even like the escaping, you know, to which you would think is really traumatic, uh, but that my dad uh, had to turn himself in into political detention, you know, because he was part of the former yes. government that was overthrown. And they were, like, rounding up all of the members of parliament and all of that. And he didn't want that, right? He didn't mm-hmm. want, like, soldiers you know, bursting into and, our house yeah. and dragging him off. And so he decided he was going to turn himself in. And uh, it was just before my fifth birthday. And he traveled a lot. And he would always come back from a trip and, like, have a little present for me. Um, and I remember being very obsessed about the fact that it was almost my birthday. By the way, that obsession has not gone away. I'm still very obsessed <laughs> about my birthday. Uh, we'll talk about that also yes, later. Yes. Um, but in any case, so he told me that he had to go on a trip uh, and that he would miss my birthday, which was unheard of. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was just like I was like, you're going to miss my birthday to hell. You, you know? <laughs> and he was like, no, I'm going to go on a trip. I'm going to miss your birthday, but I will bring you a present. So you just wait. Wow. You know, and what I didn't know then, obviously, I was five. Who is going to know? But what I know now as an adult is that that was probably one of the most difficult things because he did not know if he was going to be back. Yeah. You know, it's like people were being killed. You know, he didn't know what was going to happen. But the fact that he said that in a way that gave me hope and like looked forward to seeing him back. And I wasn't going to cry because I was very, you know, I was excited. I was like, "Ooh, what am I going to get? You know what I mean? Like you you really didn't recognize what was happening. I didn't. I didn't. But and and we've talked about it since, you know, just like because obviously I'm, I'm a mother now and. I've had to deal with very difficult things with my daughter. And so even getting his perspective and his advice on how you communicate to someone who's so young, you know, really difficult lessons um, is actually really a blessing. So even though we went through that and it was quite a devastating time, it's been a a really good lesson even for me and my own parenting, you Mm -hmm. know, on how to communicate difficult things to your children. Are are you referencing, I'm assuming, one of the difficult things in your life, the passing of your husband? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my daughter was four. So we were, 
you know, I was four when my Similar. dad, yeah, had to go in political detention. Um, interesting I- enough, one of the best pieces of advice I actually got from a, a friend, not from my dad, um, was that we should, you know, t- take her through the whole journey. You know, be upfront with her on what was happening. Let her see him. You know, all the things. And it's, it's I mean, I, anyone... He was diagnosed with cancer. Yes, he was diagnosed with yeah. cancer. Um yeah, he was diagnosed with cancer uh, in May of 2013, uh, and he passed away in December. So that it was, was a so quick, quick, it was a quick, quick, quick battle. He had Burkitt's lymphoma, which is a rare cancer, and so there was really no treatment. You know, he he did nine different chemo's. He had radiation. Like you know, he he that fought. Is tough. He did he did a lot. Um, but by October, we knew that nothing was going to work. And, you know, the oncologist was basically like, you know, you can keep going. You know, no one's telling you you can't have chemo or you can't have radiation um, or you can go home, you know, and live the rest of the days that you have, you know, to the best of your ability. And um, that's what he decided to do. And it was the best decision um, because it gave us, uh, you know, the ability to live every day like literally live every day like it's your last. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing more pure, you know, than waking up in the morning and saying, what am I going to do today? Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. how am I going to make today great? Not tomorrow, not next week. Yeah. Like, how am I going to make today great? And actually act on it. Yeah. I mean, it is it is maybe the biggest gift of my life. Really? Yes. Were you, prior to this, were you a longer-term thinker? I mean, obviously you have this yeah. incredible career path. Was it, were you were you sort of always thinking of the long game in quotation marks or like success of more, like less about mm. the journey and more about the end point? Not really. I mean, I, I've, <laughs> most people who know me will tell you that I'm definitely spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> so I never, I'd never really, I don't, I'm not the person who like creates a five year plan. Yeah. Things like, what am I going to do in 10 years? You know, I, I'm not that person. Um, but I definitely thought I was invincible. You know, I never considered that tomorrow wouldn't come. Yeah. And that is a change of perspective. So me. how do you behave differently? Oh, girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen. You drive I mean, a little slower? <laughs> no, I drive faster. <laughs> I drive faster. Awesome. Give me that adrenaline. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. I just, I feel an urgency that I didn't feel before. Yeah. You know, I feel like I must accomplish things today. Like, to, like today has mm. to be great. You know, it's like, again, like I'm not I'm not worried about if tomorrow is going to be great. Mm-hmm. You know, I want I want it to be present. I want to be present. It makes me very aware, you know, of what of the conversations I'm having, you know, being in them, in the moment, and enjoying them. more. Yes, 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 yes. And not wasting time, you mm-hmm. know, on things that like are irrelevant. Yeah. You know, <laughs> how do you. OK, so to that point. I think that it's tough, and and I I've sort of faced this in different points in my career, and I feel like I'm sort of figuring it out a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. But early on in your career, it's hard to know on a career level yeah. what matters and what doesn't. True. And so you try and take every opportunity that comes at you and make the most of it if mm-hmm. you're ambitious and motivated. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of get to a point where you start to whittle things down. Yeah. And you you can be more selective because you're just there in your career. Yeah. How do you... How have you thought about that in your own career in terms of how you spend your time, too, Mm. as both a professional and a mom? Yeah, Um, that's a really tough question. Um, I think that I I really do look at it in like moment by moment, like Mm -hmm. individual decisions. 
uh, I also go with my gut a lot. Yeah. So whatever is going to make me feel the best, which is probably a little bit, it sounds superficial, but it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, so even for the early day career things, part of the reason why I made sort of funny that like, you know, I'm spontaneous is that I was the one who took the jobs that people be, well, first of all, that's always been like, I take the jobs that people, people people right. Because I, I always, (laughs) I want to go for the thing that's going to make me feel the most amazing. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> um, and so even in like strategizing or like, you know, that's why I hate pro con list because you usually talk yourself out of like something really amazing and talk yourself into something that's like sensible, you know, which is like <laughs> who wants to be the sensible person? Like that doesn't, you know, that's not fun. That's not a great way to live a life. You know, it's like you should always be a little bit on the dangerous side, like you know? It. So um, as far as like career decisions early on, yeah, I always followed like whatever was going to make me feel like you know, really good, mm-hmm. you know? And quite interestingly, sometimes it wasn't about, even early on, it wasn't about the money, really, um, because I could have made money doing other things, like coming out of college, for instance. You All my friends, I right? went to Wesley University. Shout out, Wes. Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends at the time, I graduated in 1999, and a lot of my friends were going into banking, you know? So they took the jobs at Goldman Sachs, and they took the jobs, and, you know. I did this. Okay. You, I, you I, actually did this? You I, took. I took the job in investment banking to pay off my student loans right. and then after two years of doing this when I had it was it was very painful yeah. it really was it was the 100 hour 120 hour work week you know you don't sleep you don't see your friends you right. don't have a life but for me I thought you know what I just want to be out from underneath these student loans right. and I saw people who had kind of had similar visions of mine. I always wanted to be a journalist. Mm. So I was always like, after two years, once I can pay off my student loans, then I can pursue journalism. Mm -hmm. And I saw these other people who had similar dreams. They might not have wanted to be journalists, but something else. Yeah. And then the golden handcuffs and all the financial incentives just sucked them back into the vortex. (laughs) And I realized I have to quit. That's I really literally said I have to quit and I I just have to get out of here because it it's there's there's the pro and con list to everything. Yes. And you get stuck sometimes in that comfortable space. Oh, absolutely because who doesn't want to be comfortable? Right. Everybody wants to be comfortable. Yeah. You know? And then plus like again, I think sometimes this is when it's like, you know, the advice of others steers you wrong. Yes, which by the way, we're going to get to my favorite question at the very end, okay. the worst advice you received. Oh, right, right. Because my favorite is that a lot of people, very well-intentioned oh, people give bad advice. They're always well-intentioned. You know, they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's so, so true. You're on your way to hell. I you like it. <laughs> when you um working working with the people that you've worked with over the years, Apple, Beats, Pepsi, Spike Lee, and now Uber, what what have you learned in terms of mentoring people, like being a good mentor to Mm. people and what kind of mentor you want to be. Right. Okay. So, um, I don't like the word mentor. Okay. So much. Why not? Because I think it's like, it's riddled with like all kind of expectations, Mm -hmm. you know, and like these weird definitions where you feel like you must be like formal and amazing. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just very strange. It feels very... I don't know, antiseptic, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. me. And so I you, I like friendships. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So you so got it may friends. Be, yes, exactly. <laughs> it is It is all about the titling. <laughs> I realize that. Um, but it, it does change the dynamic of how you think about it. You know, it's like, how would you grow a friendship? You know, you meet somebody, yes. 
you're, you know, you're total strangers, but you know there's something about them that you like. Yes. You know what I mean? Either yes. they inspire you or, and in this case, in the sort of mentorship relationship, the person probably inspires you. You know, they are doing something you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's the same as, like, if you met a friend at a bar and you, they, you know, shared some similar interests with you. And how would you get to know them? You yes. know, it's like you would go to dinner. You'd go to coffee. You would pick up the phone. You know, you don't call them when you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, you call right. them to get to know them. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's yes. the way that I like to look at mentorship now, which is that I feel like when you say the word mentor, sometimes it feels like, oh, we need to have like, you know, regular check ins uh, when I'm having trouble and need advice, you know, on like a decision to make. It's very that's very uncomfortable because mm-hmm. how am I supposed to advise you if I don't know anything about you? Right. You know, because advice is not like just, you know, wallpaper right. where it's like, oh, you just walk into the room and it's like sitting on the wall. You know, it's like it's very personal. And it's like the advice I would give one, I may not give another. And so to me, mentorship is is a friendship. You know, it's like getting to know somebody before the trouble hits, you know, or before they need the advice about sure. changing the job or like how to deal with some terrible person at the office or how to prepare for a presentation. You know, it's like it, it becomes um, more personal. Mm-hmm. And you can only do that if you get to know the person. Yep. I yeah. think it almost goes back to your point about being present. Mm-hmm. And and ha- seizing the day and and being happy in the right. moment and having amazing experiences, the more real those relationships are, mm-hmm. the more useful they can be to everybody who's involved. Yes, and so you know I, I think that there's kind of a misconception. I think I probably had it really mm. early in my career of this fear of like, okay, I need to find a mentor. I need to find people right. who are going to look out for me. And how do I find people who are going to look out for me? And so much of the early stages of networking mm. were kind of like I would walk into a room and I'd feel like, well, I'm like the lowliest person in this room. Right. So no one wants to talk to me. Right, right. And if I had walked into that room instead and just thought, I'm going to have an interesting conversation tonight, if that was my objective, I think... It would be so different. Totally different. Totally and now different. that is how I think about yes. everything. Yes. And this thing about those words, it's like, and I think we've done it to ourselves, you know, mentors, networking, you know, they yeah. feel so heavy. Yeah. Like, you know, like networking, you've got to like walk in with your hand it's so out structured. and like you've got to have business cards. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, no. It's I'm like, a shark. Exactly. <laughs> I got to get to the biggest shark in the room now. Exactly. You know, it's like if you, you're absolutely correct. It's like if your perspective was that you were going, like treat it like you're going to a party at your homegirl's house. Yes. You know what I mean? Mean, yes. What would you do? Right. You know what I mean? You pick up that glass of wine, you take a couple sips, and you'd walk around and get to know people. Right. It's the same thing in networking. You know, it's not the hard sell because again, it's about you know making con- real connections with yeah. people and then continuing them outside. Right. So it's like, by the way, you may have had an idea of like, oh, I really want this person as a mentor. Right. And you go to whatever networking event because you know they're going to be there, and your objective is to find them and make them your mentor. But guess what? Like, maybe you start a conversation and you're just like, hmm, this person is not that interesting. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, why are you going to force it? Don't right. force it. That's right. probably, that person is not right for you. It's so true. We're back to the avatar. Yes. You know what I mean? Completely. It's like, you've got to, you know what? That's the theme here. The avatar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I never, that's a first for No Limits. We've never had an avatar themed No Limits until I mean, today. Yes. But that is Thank the thing. Thank you, you know, I, you're, No, it's my pleasure. You know? <laughs> Because it's like they've got to, you've got to, you know, it's it's got to match. So they got to like you, and you got to like yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. That that um, that's like it's like the clicking. You know, yes. you can feel the clicking happening yeah, when you you're when you're. It. Yeah, for you, you you really beam positivity. 
I'm sure you've been told this a million times, but you do. You exude it. And yet, as a manager mm. and a leader, you have to say no. You have to set expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to sometimes tell people things they don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? Oh, well, first of all, you've always got to be straight. You know, there's, there's, there's a difference between being, like, nice and positive and, like, lying. Yes, <laughs> completely. You never lie. Yes. You know? So when you come into a new work environment— mm-hmm. How do you start? Like, when you come into a new place, yeah. like Uber, yeah. do you set expectations right away? No. No. No, 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 no. Okay. Because the thing is that this is, again, like, you know, getting to know an environment and letting things, like, sort of happen naturally, which is that I don't know this place, and y'all don't know me, you know? like <laughs> Except for my Instagram it, profile. You know me in a bikini, okay, because you see me on Instagram. But <laughs> that doesn't mean you really know me. <laughs> and we will be celebrating my birthday for at least a week. <laughs> Correct. Because okay? I really love my birthday. Okay, We need some champagne and cake. Um, but no, but it's like, you know, we don't know each other. And so you've got to get to know the environment. and You've got to let the environment get to know you. And then you can set expectations of like, okay, this is what I intend to do. And this is how I intend to do it. Who's with me? You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. That's how you get the people motivated, and that's how you get people on your side. Because at the end of the day, as a leader, you're no good unless you have great people with you. You know? It's like you're you're never going to succeed if you don't have the love of the people. You know? So for me, that's the way I approach everything. Not Machiavellian. No. <laughs> that's just bad. No, no. That's just bad. You know? Who wants that? Nobody wants that. And then plus, I feel like it's really important to... Um, you know, again, I think as a leader, oftentimes you think that you have all the right answers, you know, and your prior experiences don't determine what the future experiences are going to be. I think that's a number one mistake, actually, to come in thinking that you know everything and therefore you're going to fix the thing that you're coming to do. Mm. Whereas like the environment is actually going to determine that. And so if you really know what your business is about, <laughs> you need to sit down, you know, listen to what's happening, get to know the environment and then act. And that's the only way to success. What's been the biggest surprise for you then inside of Uber? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about this. Because first of all, there are a ton of people that work at Uber. Okay. Um, Maybe prior to this, I would have thought there were like three. (laughs) Because of the coverage. Yeah. Because that's all you heard about. You know, there's 16,000 people who work at Uber. Okay. And I think also because of all of the sort of coverage and, and the things that had been talked about in the press and the media, um, I went in pretty much expecting that people would be sort of like down and, you know, needing some sort of like pick me up. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. wasn't sure what the mood and environment was going to feel like. Um, and I think some of the stories were kind of terrifying also, you know, that I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a friendly environment, especially being black and being a woman. Um, but I was really surprised by the passion of people, um, how much people want like to evolve and, and change the world. I've never met so many people who, like, really, truly think they're going to change the world. Like, ever. In one place. It's incredible. You know? And people want to do that in their specific jobs. It's not like some, you know, higher order, like, you know, aspiration. It's like in their specific jobs, they are going to change the world by what they do. It is remarkable. So it's hard, it's hard not to be inspired by a group of people who really feel that way and who can see the future and, like, I want to make that future better. You know, I want to provide a service that's going to make it easier, safer, better for people in the world. What? Of course. Like, I'm, I'm here for it. It's great. 
So how has then your sort of day one mission statement, if you had an in your head on day one, this is the thing I need to come in and really change and focus on. How has that changed to today? You know, and I don't think it's really changed because that I think my surprise is still my mission Mm -hmm. because I was like, holy crap, look at there are real human beings here, you know? Real human beings with real stories, with real ambition, with real inspiration, with some funny, some funny. Not everybody's funny, <laughs> but some funny. You know what I mean? Do they laugh at your jokes, though? No, Even the no, but no, 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 no. I don't get laughs. No, I'm kidding. I do get laughs. <laughs> I'm so cute. Come on. Who wouldn't want to laugh? They'll, they'll be on your team as long as they laugh at your jokes. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> they can stay at the company as long as they <laughs> smile at you. <laughs> no, but honestly, it's like, you know, I, 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 well, I came in feeling like I needed to tell the human story. You know, I'm a people person. You know, I love to give hugs and kisses, you know, uh, and that comes through in my work, too. Um, but it is it is still what I feel now. And I f- probably feel even more urgently because now I'm actually in the environment where I see the people, you know, and I'm like, OK, it's not just all doom and gloom. You know, everything mm-hmm. is so things are stories are so complicated. You know, they're complex messages. And yes, of course, not everything is always, you know, happy, dippy, skippy. You know what I mean? It's like some things are really tough. So address all of that. Just paint a picture of the of the complete total uh, environment, you know, so that you can actually be served something more complex. I think an audience deserves that, you know, and then you can you can make up your mind, you know, whether or not you want to be down with the mission or not. But I think it deserves the larger story. And that's what I want to do. In your career, what's been the toughest lesson to learn? God, the toughest lesson. Oh, yo, yo. I mean, okay. <laughs> I like that, she, guys. She just like was looking off into the distance and then like laughed in the <laughs> cutest way. Just like, okay, now what are you thinking? Because what I'm gonna say is that I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's been the toughest Why lesson. Why was it so hard to learn that, Bose? Oh, you weren't girl. born with that. I'm telling you, girl. I wish I was born with that. <laughs> You know? So you weren't confident? Uh, no, I think I, I've always been confident, at least confident in something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Right? Um, but I didn't, I don't think I actually knew, and I, maybe I'm still learning it, if I'm being totally honest, um, that I'm always right, you know, and really trusting myself to the foot, not just saying that, because a lot of people say, oh, you should trust your gut. Like, right. Trust, da, 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 you know? Yes. But it's like, but you actually do that and act on it. That's a very difficult thing to do. How do you check yourself when... You're in these questionable situations. I mean, sometimes you don't even have the ability. Yeah. Life is moving really quickly. You don't even have the ability to take that step back and say, am I listening to myself or am I not listening to myself? How do you check yourself? Yeah. No, it's I think it's a learned thing. You know, it's not overnight. It's a practice. Mm -hmm. Like I I do it constantly. Do you you say something to yourself? Is it like, Bose, trust yourself. You're right. Or no, it's more of a feeling. Yeah. You know, so it's like. And that's the thing. It, maybe it's it's also called like an inner voice. Yep. It's called your intuition. Yep. You know, it's hard to listen to it. But it's always right. You know, it's like when have you ever been wrong? Like your intuition. Mm-hmm. Either with like, you know, going out with that guy that you know you shouldn't have gone out with. You right. know what I mean? Yes. Like, I let do. Let me just roll my eyes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you knew that was a bad idea, but yeah. you did it anyway. Yes. You know, or like stayed in the situation. You're like, oh, it's going to get better. And it didn't. You knew better, you know? Uh, and that's a very, it's a very tough thing to learn. And I, I am, I mean, yes, in all transparency, I'm still learning it. I'm getting better at it, though. What do you think has helped make you better at it? 
because when I don't listen to it, I fail. <laughs> so you've seen it. Oh, yes. I've seen it. Real Is there, life. Can you think of an example that you didn't listen to that intuition? Mm. It didn't pan out? Well, um, a few times. I mean, yeah. I mean, when so when I, when I had my daughter, um, I gained 70 pounds when I was pregnant, um, which... I think by my obstetrician's advice was like terrible, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, because it, I, I got unhealthy, which, you know, whatever, it's fine. I'm fine now. It's fine. Um, but the when I came out of it, um, I was working at Pepsi at the time. And I love fashion and all of those things. And people had always said like, oh, you should always, you know, you should work in fashion. You should do, right? And there was a job that came up um, to run marketing for a fashion company uh, who's, um, core target was plus size women of color. And I thought, well, I could do that. Like, that's right up my alley. You know what I mean? Yep. Plus, I mean, to the higher degree, I was like, I want images and fashion that are reflective and, you know, of people that I know. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just had a baby girl. I was like, I, I want to make a difference, you know, in how people see. Blah, 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 blah. So that was the one time I made pro and con lists. You know, because I was like, oh, okay, let me let me see what the pros of this. You know, I get a bigger job. um, I get more money. I get a chance to make impact on the world. You know, I get to create images that I'll be proud of. You know, on the con list were things like I'm doing well at Pepsi. I'm working on things I like. I have great friends here. Yes. (laughs) You know, like those were those were cons to me because it was like the comfortability. Right. You know, and I I always wanted to push myself. So while they might not sound like cons. That makes sense. They were cons because I was comfortable and I could just stay there. Um, The mistake and the lesson was that I was not ready for the job. I was not ready for the job. You know, it was like it was it was too big of a jump. I was just arrogant, you know. I, I thought I could do it. Uh, I quickly learned I couldn't, you know, and I, I didn't yet have the skill set to lead people in a way that, you know, in a turnaround situation because for them they were still growing and there was a turnaround that needed to happen on that business. And I just wasn't ready, you know. And my 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 arrogance and some greed took me, you know. Yes. Uh, and I failed. Man, it was painful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a year afterwards I was sitting in my apartment in Jersey City, you know, my daughter was just over a year old. Um, and I was like looking and I had a great view, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> looking at the city, you know, in Manhattan. And um, man, I was just I was so embarrassed, you know, because, you know, it, we'd come to a mutual, mutual de- decision that I that we should part ways. Uh, but I was embarrassed, you know, and I, I was questioning whether or not I was actually good at what I do um, and whether or not I could still do it. You know, it was it was a very it was a hard moment, you know, and then it was like I had to, like, stop feeling sorry for myself. But that was after, like, five days of, like, eating bonbons and not bathing and laying in my bed. (laughs) How did you pick yourself up? What was the thing that helped you get back who you are? Um, Well, first, I had to admit it. You know, I actually, you know, I had to tell my friends, you know, Mm. close friends, which is part of the the hard part right yeah. I didn't want because I, I was embarrassed I didn't want anybody to know I didn't want to be fired from a job you know I'm badass bows I don't get fired <laughs> I tell them when I'm losing. exactly I walk out <laughs> <laughs> and grab my purse you know what I mean? it's like, uh, but yeah I was really embarrassed and and the first step was just you know calling people who I trust and love and being like hey so this has happened and I feel like bleep <laughs> yeah. you know and 
you know, and then obviously you I have... bet their reaction surprised you. Oh, my God. Well, first of all, I mean, I got the reaction that most of our best friends would give us, right? right. Like, you don't worry about them. Yeah. They suck anyway. <laughs> You're the best. Exactly. You're amazing. You know, and I'm rolling my eyes. I'm like, no, I'm not. Tell me again. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. You know, and you're going through that moment. Um, but it was really important. It was really important to hear the validation, be reminded that, no, yeah, you are good. You're great. You're going to do this again. You're going to pick yourself up. It's going to be fine. And I need to hear that again and again and again. And that's probably one of the most important moments when I realized that you need a really strong cheerleading squad. You know, you need, like, no one should think they could do this alone. You know, you need people who are going to tell you again and again and again and again how amazing you are. And they need to believe it. It's not lip service. You know, and it's like I think we can all identify people in our lives who will do that for us. But you need to rely on them, you know, and it's like and when things go wrong, it's like they're they're the ones you have to go to so that they can remind you <laughs> how amazing you are, you know, because that's that's their job. <laughs> <laughs> and and sometimes it's a two way street. And oh, you it's tell absolutely. Them, yeah, oh, it's, it's absolutely. always a two way street. Always a two way street. Yeah. But I always find that it's not, um, you know, that it's not always the same people right it's uh-huh. like for different situations you need different groups of people mm-hmm. you know and so you should cultivate that too you know where it's like you know for certain sub- certain subjects you know you need one group of people right. to tell you that you're amazing and others you know circumstances you need a different type of people to tell you you know my mom is not gonna tell me i'm amazing when i get dumped by a guy you know what i mean <laughs> well she might no she's an african mom she's not she's just gonna be like were your parents strict growing up oh my god they were super strict. Yes. How did that manifest itself? Girl, oh my God. Were you God. allowed to go on dates? No. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. No. Mm-mm. How old were you when you went on your first date? You mean when I snuck out and went on my first date? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. I was 16. And then on your official first date when your parents were aware? I think it was when I brought my husband home. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Or my fiance. Wow. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So yeah, you no, snuck sure. out at 16. Yeah, Got I it. sure did. Yeah, I was living in College Springs, Colorado. You you know, we needed to sneak out and do, you know what I mean? Because, like, what else was there to do? You know, you got to sneak out and go to the forest and, like, light a bonfire and sit around with your friends and, you know, do bad things. <laughs> when you look back on all the advice that you've been given in your lifetime, what yes. is the worst advice, my favorite question, the worst advice Girl. you've been given? Yeah. Okay. So let's get into this, right? Yes. Um, I've told this before, but I want to like get a little bit more into it, which is that the worst advice and well-intentioned, as we discussed before, uh, from a woman, senior woman at the company who told me that I should never wear red lipstick or red red nail polish to the office because it would signal that I was, you know, that I'm too bold. It would be, it would be a bold message and you don't want to do that. You know, you want to be sort of understated and, you know, let people take you seriously. And first of all, it's superficial as hell, okay? So that's bad. But mm-hmm. the, the the damage it did was that it made me question whether or not I could be bold in an office, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Because I am a bold person. Sure. <laughs> I'm bold in personality. I'm hella tall. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm hella black. You know, there's just, there's a lot of if me. If you don't embrace that, then who are you? Then, you know what, what are I mean? you? And it's like how, there's no way for me to quiet that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's actually not natural to me. It would make me a, a, you know, it would make me it would make me unproductive, you know, in what I do, because I'd be so focused on like being quiet that then you can't really show up right. fully, you know. And the thing that the beauty of, of showing up fully is that you're able to contribute so much more. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's like think about coming That's a very, to the office. Very interesting point. Yeah, as like half of a person. How are you going to come to 100% ideas? When you're editing yourself. How? Like, how are you going to do that? If you're only showing up halfway, you cannot give 100%. It is mathematically impossible and philosophically impossible. You know? So to me, that was the damage of the advice. How did you respond to the advice? I took it. And did, you, did you say thank you in that yes, conversation? Yes, I sure did. Thank and you then... so much. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. You know, I slunk away. I went home. I felt badly. I took off my red nail polish. I showed up to the next day without any lipstick on. Felt bad about it for like six months. You know, slinking around and not really showing up and not contributing. Like that that was a bad period of time. You know, and then it was it was one of, you know, my lovely homegirls who's in my hype text group. <laughs> You know, who was just like, why do you look like this? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So you showed up some after yeah. work sometime after work. and they said you're not yourself yeah. anymore. Yeah, she's like, why do you look like this? Why are you so down? You know, you look terrible, first of all. You know, <laughs> it's love. You know, they say yes. it on love. Yes. But yeah, I was just like, oh, well, you know, at the office, I can't. You know, this woman told me that I shouldn't and blah, 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 blah you know. And she was like, what? She was like, but then you're not you. And it was like, light bulb. You know, because you're not you. And there's no way. And then it was reinforced by Indra Nui, who is the you know chairman of PepsiCo, who yes. I think is a phenomenal female leader. Um, and she famously says, you know, bring your whole self to work. And it just it re it, it, I hadn't yet put it together, mm-hmm. you know, like I knew the feeling, yeah. And I'd already started to do that, right? By the time I heard her say it, uh, but then she said it, and I was like, right, that's exactly what it is, you know, bring your whole self to work, because that way you can bring full ideas. You know, the wholeness of your unique abilities, you know, because no one else is going to bring that. You're the yeah. only person who can bring all of that. It's the one thing that you hold. Yes. The it's one, one, the one, one advantage that the, you know that you have. Correct. You are the only you. Right. You know, so like, why not bring that? Yeah. I I think it's great advice. It's I find it interesting because I would say maybe 50 percent of the women whom I ask that question of, mm. there is some variation of not being authentic mm. this at at some point in their career somebody kind of moved them in this direction of fitting in mm. and and i think that there's actually two pieces to this there's the the piece of being true to yourself but there's also the piece of if you are in an environment where yeah. you know you can never be true to yourself and you've tried it Girl. That's probably not the right environment. You, you need it. to go somewhere else. Should we else? put this on a T-shirt and just, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. that, that, now that is God's truth. It's like that environment is not for you. You know, if you can't bring the fullness of yourself, and that's, I mean, that's a very difficult thing. I realize yes. it's like, you know what? People have responsibilities. You know, you can't always, like, just pick up and run. Right. You know, but you got a plan. You got a plan to pick up and run. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to get the, you got to get out. You know, because honestly, without... Being able to bring your full self, then how are you going to contribute in any kind of meaningful way? And by the way, are you going to be happy? Exactly. And you're going to be happy. And and for me, along my career, I have, I personally, I think, have learned more and more the importance of that happiness and that success without yeah. feeling happiness and that fulfillment of mm-hmm. life and the richness of empty. life is so empty and it pointless. Is empty. It is empty, you know? And that's why, again, I'm like, you know what? <sighs> You know, it's it's about the gut, you know? It's like that's why I follow it because I have to be happy. And then they that's that's my only requirement, you know, is I have to be happy. 
Well, I loved this conversation, Bose. It made me happy in a very genuine way. Thank you so much for coming on No Limits. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. It was awesome. Oh, by the way, for anyone out there who wants to see her amazing clothes, um, your Instagram account is what? Badass Bose. (laughs) You can see it there. Bye. And it's that special time for our No Limits Entrepreneur of the Week, where we feature one of our listeners who's building something of her own. Although, this week, we have two Entrepreneurs of the Week, Maria Burke and Liang Shi, the founders of Dessert Goals, and they were nominated by No Limits listener Chelsea Newson. So, Dessert Goals, and I love this, is New York City's first ever dessert festival. They've since expanded to Los Angeles, and it's a sweet side hustle. So, it all came together while Maria and Liang were sharing a bowl of shaved snow, which is a combination of ice cream and shaved ice, when they made an observation that New York had a festival for everything. So why not dessert? They each pooled $10,000 from savings to have the first Dessert Goals event in October of 2016. Maria is 27. She grew up in Santa Cruz, California, studied business as an undergraduate at UC Berkeley. And one week after graduation, she moved to New York to fulfill her dream of being an event planner. After working for agencies for two and a half years, she started an event studio, Pop Productions, which focuses on community, food, and family events. Liang is 29, and she was born in Shanghai, China. She immigrated to the U.S. with her mom when she was four years old, studied advertising and photojournalism at the University of Texas, Austin. She's worked as the creative director of SOMA and Mind Body Green, and with brands like Condé Nast, SoulCycle, and Square. The biggest turning point in their career. Well, Maria says her biggest turning point happened while she was working at an event startup as the founder's right hand. In addition to the event planning aspects, she was responsible for payroll and insurance, legal, office rental, and all the nitty gritty. So just a few things of responsibility. Well, she says it was a total eye opener because she could run her own business. She realized this when she was doing everything for this other founder. Meantime, Liang says her biggest turning point happened when she got fired two months after moving to New York. She started freelancing from Craigslist as a means to survive, and she says she realized it was not only more lucrative, but it also gave her control over her time. And at that point, she started her career as a freelance creative. Their game-changing decision, when the two women first came up with the idea of dessert goals, they weren't sure how people would respond, so they made a Facebook event And they were blown away when there were over 10,000 people interested by the next day. That's unheard of. Maria says that at that moment, it really clicked for both of them that they were onto something. But that's a really good piece of advice in general, that Facebook event. You can really test a lot of ideas quickly on social media and see if there's even an appetite for them. An appetite, obviously. Maria and Liang, congratulations on all of your success and everything you're doing out there. Chelsea, thank you so much for writing in, nominating your friends. Awesome work out there. Keep it up. I'm really enjoying reading all of these nominations for the No Limits Entrepreneur of the Week, and I love all the interesting things you're doing out there. Keep in mind, we've already listed a number of Entrepreneurs of the Week here, and it's a very broad spectrum of interests and projects, and we want to hear from you. So send me an email. Don't forget, send me an email at nolimitswithrjpodcast at gmail.com. 
Thanks so much for listening to another episode of No Limits. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. It really does help to spread the word. And you can follow along with us behind the scenes on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at Rebecca Jarvis. And join the conversation using the hashtag No Limits. And thanks so much to the team here at ABC who makes this happen week after week. Taylor Dunn, Michelle Bancardo, Annie Osakwe, Josh Cohan, Elizabeth Hecht, Andrew Kelb, and Steve Jones here at ABC Radio. Have a great week, everyone. Take care. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.